0: It's good to be with you today, and we're starting our series, Pursuit. This is a series we've been doing throughout 2020 at different times, and each time we do it is digging in on a different spiritual discipline as we pursue Jesus together. And so we've talked about prayer, we've talked about reading our Bibles, we've talked about all these different things. And along with this series, we've had this text out of Philippians chapter 3 that's been a guide and an inspiration for this whole word of pursuit. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 And through 14, not that I have already obtained all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of it, that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding the early church, and I think he's reminding us, we haven't reached the threshold, the pinnacle. We're not at the top. There's still more to grow and still more that we can continue to mature in. And so he uses this phrase, press on or pursue. And it challenges us to have to forget the past. We've got to, we can't get stuck in the, well, this is the way we've always done it kind of idea. We have to push through and say, well, This is where we're headed. This is how I will move forward. Press on. I will pursue Jesus now. I think 2020 just flipped that totally upside down. And I'll tell you, when I first thought about this at the beginning of this year and and had been praying about this and really felt the Lord put this on my heart for us as a church, it looked a little different in my head. And even now, as I was preparing for this series for right now, at this time, I was thinking, God, you know. Is this still relevant to us? Did you have something different in mind? Did I miss the mark? And, and I really felt him, him him just kind of recalibrate my heart. And I hope it encourages you. No, we all still need to continue the pursuit. That our pursuit is not contingent upon our gatherings. Our pursuit is something that happens 24-7. It happens all the time. And, and unfortunately, the American churchgoer has done exactly that. We just go to church. We become dependent upon going to church. We become reliant upon the church to create something for our pursuit. And and this year is challenging all of us. Will you pursue Jesus on your own? Will you pursue Jesus when you are scattered? Will you continue to grow and seek him and press on? You have to forget the past and move forward. And that's going to take initiative. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take all of us encouraging each other to move forward together. Just as Paul said to the early church. And so for the next three weeks, we're focusing on our pursuit of Jesus through music, through the worship with music element. And yes, I understand worship can be a lot of things. Worship can be how I honor God. The, the word that's used in scripture for worship is translated as bowing down, surrendering, lowering myself, right? It's that idea, that act. This is worship. And so I can do that with prayer. I can do that with giving generously. I can do that with doing the right thing today, But there's a huge part of that, too, where I do that with music, where I bow down, where I worship, where I elevate the name of Jesus through song. And that is an important part of all of our pursuit and all of our journeys of following Jesus. Music needs to be a vital part. And unfortunately, there are contingents of the church, of churches, that we neglect that. We skip over it. We pull back. We don't engage in the same way. And we become, if we neglect this key part of our pursuit of Jesus, we become like that guy at the gym that's always just skipped leg day, right? He's worked his arms. He's worked his chest and his back, and he's just like. Yo, dude, what's going on? Yeah, oh, everything's great. Right? And then you look at his legs sticking out of his shorts and these two little toothpicks sticking out because he never did any kind of leg press or squats or anything like that and worked his legs. It was just worked up here and just, just did what everything was. Ah. How many Christians are skipping this spiritual discipline? How many Christians are pulling back because, well, I'm not musically talented. Well, I, don't, I, I feel a little insecure about singing well, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't like the songs that they're choosing. I don't know the songs that they're choosing. For whatever reasons that we've pulled back on engaging in worship, it allows us to, to, to work other muscles, yes, but we neglect this key thing that is so vitally important to God's people. My hope is that over the course of this series, we discover the importance of worship, and we discover that Jesus is to be worshiped by all of us, all of the time, with all of our being. That is the goal here, that we are worshiping Jesus. All of us are worshiping Jesus all of the time with all of our being. And so today we're going to focus on the first part of that, that all of us are to worship Jesus. Psalm 96.1 is going to be our text today. Very simple statement, one verse. We're not doing a huge bunch of verses. Psalm 96.1 challenges us on this idea that all of us are to worship Jesus. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Very simple, very straightforward. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. But that word sing, it's for all of us. It's an instruction, it's a command. It's, there's no one exempt there, though. It doesn't say, sing, all you who would win American Idol. Sing, all of you who don't need voice lessons. It just says sing. All of the earth is to sing. Have you ever wondered why God wants us to sing? Why we do that? Why is it that we would spend a a, a chunk of our time when we would gather together as a church or when we would focus on Jesus together as a church? Why do we sing? Especially when God has made some of us to not be musically talented. Hello? To not be able to keep rhythm, right? I'm always that guy clapping off beat. I always have to look at the lyrics. And read the lyrics and I don't know the songs because I'm really bad at remembering these. Why do I have to be a worshiper? I'm not good at it, God. You made me this way. Worship is one of those things that we just do it in church. And what other settings do we sing with other people? Think about that for a moment. If you're watching on the live stream, would you just throw some ideas in the chat? Where else do we sing with other people? If you're not watching live, maybe you're watching it later or early. Would you throw your comments in the comment section? We'd love to just hear what you think. Where else do we sing with other people? I I can think of a few. I can think of birthday parties, right? We celebrate and honor somebody. I can think of karaoke. I'm really good at karaoke, by the way. Uh, Concerts, when we sing, we go to see an artist and and they're singing and we know their music library, we sing along. There's all these different times that we sing with people, even chanting at sporting events. got my, my little Seahawks cup here, right? Go Hawks. And when you would go to a game, you would be in unison. See! Hawks! See! Hawks! But church, it's, it's like a main thing that we do. We sing. We gather together. But if you think about it, singing is the one thing that all of us can do. Rich or poor, you can sing. Male or female, you can sing. Young and old, you can sing. We all have a voice to offer to our God. And as we look at God's people, that is something that becomes instrumental, if you will, to them, and it defines them, it characterizes them. Scholars, I was discovering this week that scholars speculate as to why the people of Israel didn't have quite the same uh, expressions of sculpture and painting as, say, in other ancient cultures like the Greeks. And they speculate that it's because of the Ten Commandments, that one of the commandments is thou shalt not have any idols. Don't worship anything other than the Lord your God. And so they would be maybe more hesitant to create sculptures or to create images or to create things that could be worshipped. But music, and they thrived at music. They sang all the time. You see Moses, when they cross the Red Sea, he's singing. When you see Hannah have her son Samuel, and he, she dedicates him to the temple, she's singing. When Mary is visited by an angel, she sings. Jesus, up in the, in the upper room with the disciples, he's singing. David, we just did a whole summer on David. Man, that guy, was, he was a singer and a musician. He wrote songs. He was, he was just all out, all into it. So throughout Scripture, we see this compilation of worshipers. Young and old, rich and poor, male, female, leaders, followers, it doesn't matter. We all have a voice to give to God. In fact, the scriptures even inspire us. The book of Hebrews inspires us that we continue that worship with our song even today, calling it a sacrifice of praise, that in ancient times you would go to the temple to offer worship with a sacrifice of an animal or a grain offering or something, and that was a way that you could honor God by giving those things to him at the temple. But instead, now we are to offer a sacrifice of praise. Let's look at it. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. See, because of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind, we no longer have to bring animals to church. We don't have to make an animal sacrifice. Instead, our offering, our, our sacrifice is a song. It's our praise. It's our honor in that way. So when I sing a song to God, I'm not just letting song bits and melodies bounce off the walls. I'm not trying to impress God. I'm not trying to impress other people in church. Worship isn't about me. I'm singing to God, and what I'm doing is giving him a sacrifice. I'm giving him a gift. I'm giving him a gift that he can be honored with because he first honored me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can, man, I can respond to that with praise. Singing is a gift. I never really thought about it like that until I really engaged with this text that when I sing, because I don't have the greater confidence in my singing. I never thought of my singing as a gift. I thought of it more as like, yeah, the obligatory like you gotta buy toilet paper at the store. You never really thought of it as a gift. But when I sing to God, it's a gift to Him, and I'm a gift person, man. I love gifts. I I, I love giving gifts. I love receiving gifts. I, I, I'm a gift person, and so uh, I, I'm not the type of person that's going to go to a birthday party and not bring a gift, young or old. If it's a kid's birthday party, we're going to bring them a Tonka truck, right, or something like that. If it's an older person, we're going to bring them a gift card. It doesn't matter. The value doesn't matter so much in terms of price, but it's more of the thoughtfulness behind it because it's about honoring them, celebrating them, giving the focus to them. And, and that's what what is happening when we sing. It's not the quality of our worship that matters so much as the heart behind it, the intent behind it, that I'm giving God the honor by singing to him his praises. The next part of this Hebrews passage is quite interesting, too. It uses this phrase. It says that we offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Now, that's a phrase you wouldn't normally say, the fruit of lips that confess his name. What does he mean by that? It's that A sacrifice of praise, a song of praise, is going to be a byproduct if somebody has confessed to Jesus, right? The fruit of lips that confess his name. So if my mouth is going to confess allegiance to Jesus, well, then a byproduct of that is that I'm going to sing his praises. I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to not shut up about him. I'm going to continue to sing his praises. It's natural that that is going to follow a confession of faith. And we do this in non-religious circles, we do this in non-spiritual circles. We do this with stuff and places you've been and things that you've seen and movies that you've watched or things that you've bought. I've got one right here, it's a Yeti can cooler. I got an Amazon card this year and I I bought this and and I went camping with some friends of ours this summer and I brought this with me and when they saw it, they were like, hey, what's that? And I got to explain it, right? Because I had experienced something good and I began to sing its praises. I began to tell them about, oh, look at it. Yeah, it's super durable. It's made of metal. It's dishwasher safe. It's contoured to your lips so it doesn't, like, feel weird. And the most important, your beverage stays cool. I mean, this LaCroix has been in there for over a couple of hours, and it's already still oh, cool to the touch. I mean, that's beautiful. That's awesome. And I'm singing its praises even right now. Some of you right now are thinking, I want to jump on Amazon and buy a Yeti can cooler. I've experienced something good and the natural byproduct is to sing its praises. If I've experienced the love of Jesus, the natural byproduct is I'm going to sing his praises. If I've experienced forgiveness from Jesus, I'm going to sing his praises. If I've experienced comfort in a time of stress, I'm going to sing his praises. If I have found strength in a time of weakness, I will sing his praises. You see, it's, it's illustrating that all of us have something to sing about. All of us have something to praise about because we, as Christ followers, have had real moments, real encounters with the living God. How has he been real in your life? Sing about that. Praise him for that. And it will overflow. It cannot be contained. It is a natural byproduct. It is fruit of lips that have experienced and confessed an allegiance to Jesus. It's only natural that that's going to happen, that all of us are people who praise. The psalm then continues, Psalm 96.1, I'll take us back to that original text. 96.1 says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. There is this sense of cohesion and collectivity and wholeness, all the earth is to sing. Again reiterating this idea, all of us are worshipers, not just the musically talented and gifted, all of us. We are worshipers. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes to the Philippian church and says that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, every tongue would confess, right? What do you see there, everyone? I mean, let's read it. At the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you see anyone excluded from that? Because I don't. I see a a unity. I see a wholeness. I see a collectivity. All of us will worship Jesus. All of us will bow, that word worship, bowing and surrendering ourselves to that of Jesus. And unfortunately, when I read that text, when I think about all the earth singing and praising God, is that our reality right now? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of us that that are Christians that are silent in our praise. And for whatever reason, we might have our reasonings and our justifications as to why we are quiet when we sing, why we step back, why we disengage from that. But we've grown silent. We aren't worshiping. We aren't praising our God all the time with everything that we are. We've become silent. I don't think we've become silenced at this time. Maybe in different parts of the world and at different times in history, yes, but at this time, there's a a highly politicized environment that we live in and right now, a lot of people wanna say that the church is being silenced. I would disagree, I would say the church has become silent, but we have not been silenced. I have not been told that I can't worship Jesus. I I haven't been told that I can't sing. I've been told that I can't praise Jesus. Uh, I may see a change in effect on when I can worship or where I can worship or the, the, the people I worship with because it's not the usual Sunday morning experience. But as we talk about worship for these weeks, we'll see. Worship is not contained to a location. It's not contained to a time slot in my week. It's not contained to a group of people. Worship is a lifestyle. It overflows out of us. It's because I've experienced Jesus. I've got something good to sing about. It's because I am the created, he is the creator, and I'm going to worship him. All the earth is going to sing his praises. So I don't think I've been silenced. But I think there's times in my life where I've been silent. Where I've been slow to engage. Where I've neglected it, where I've pushed over. Maybe even now as we're scattering, some of us have skipped over worship. As, eh, it's not really my thing, I'm not really into that, I'm going to just skip this. We've disqualified ourselves. We've allowed insecurities to guide our decisions. Well, I'm just not good at it. Yada, yada, yada. We become embarrassed. Jesus talks about when his people would get silent. And he talks about this idea that the psalm illustrates for us that all the earth is going to praise our God. As he's making his triumphant entry Jesus is riding on a donkey and the crowds around him are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise you, save us. Man, oh man, Jesus, we love you. And they're singing and shaking the tambourines. I don't know, they're making all kinds of ruckus. And the religious leaders tell Jesus, you need to silence them and quiet them down. That's ridiculous. And this is Jesus' Jesus's response. In Luke nineteen forty. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If we quiet them down, the earth is going to cry out because the creation is intended to create to worship the creator. You, you, you see that, and we see it all throughout Scripture. In Psalm 96, the very psalm we started with today, you continue on in verse 11 and 12, you see this psalm talks about the earth and the, the heavens and the trees and, and the fields, all of it rejoicing and praising God for his good work. It's good stuff. Right? And we start reading about this stuff and the earth and the rocks crying out and all of this. I don't know. Maybe you picture Julie Andrews spinning around in the hills in the Alps, like the hills are alive with the sound of music. Kind of sounds a little like hippy-dippy or something to you. I don't know. The earth is crying out to God. But what Jesus is saying is that we have a voice. We are to sing out, we are to speak out, we are to cry out to our God. And if we are going to be silent. Well, then the rocks are going to cry out. Then the trees are going to cry out. Then the earth is going to rumble with noise because the creation is intended to worship the creator. You think about the moment of Jesus' crucifixion. Just days later after his triumphant entry, they're all singing his praises. They do get silent. As he's hanging there on the cross, breathing his last breath, it is finished. What happens next? an earthquake the earth shook the rocks rattle there's a rumble as creation is crying out to its creator jesus was right if we are silent the earth will shake the rocks will cry out there's a song by Hillsong that was released a couple years ago and it articulates this idea very beautifully as says, if the stars are made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. What an anthem to declare. That all of creation is praising our God. And so will you? will you? Because we can't sing that song if it's not true. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks about singing a sense of truth. But that lyric is, is to challenge us. And if everything around me was created to worship the creator, so will I. And that's my heart in this. We would be a church, we would be people who worship the creator. That we worship him, Because all of us are intended to be worshipers. Psalm 96.1, sing to the Lord, a new song, sing to the Lord, all the earth. And we are to be people who worship Jesus. All of us worship Jesus with all of our being, all of the time. That's what this is all about. Now, as we go through this series, we're going to have some put-into-practice type moments. We're going to have our 14-day pursuit. Each time we've done the pursuit this year, we have a 14-day challenge for you to dig in, to get a taste, to see what this is like, to put in a new practice of some sort. And so we're going to have this challenge for us to, for 14 straight days, worship Jesus for 14 minutes a day. And Bobby is going to jump back on here in just a second. He's going to give us some more details on that and encourage you to, to dial in and stick, stick with it and check out those resources and, and join us. Because that's my heart, is that we continue to grow in this time. We continue to develop as worshipers and as followers of Christ. I was thinking about this 14-day pursuit. My heart is not to give you more homework. You're busy enough. If you're parenting young kids, you're really busy enough right now as you're trying to parent them and do work and and lead them as your stay-at-home teacher. I mean, life is crazy hectic right now. This is not about more homework. This is about us continuing to develop continuing to grow, and I I was thinking about it, and it made me think about when I was coaching soccer last fall. I got to coach my daughter's team and seven-year-old girls running all over the place, and one of the rules that they set up is all the girls will play. All are players. And that's true, right? Just as I said about worship, all of us are intended to worship. Well, all of them, whether their skill level was good, bad, or terrible, they played. And we put them in practice, we put them in the games, and you know what happened? Over the course of the season, a couple things happened. One is they, they, they grew to love the game of soccer. They had fun. They enjoyed it. They developed a passion for it. You know what else happened? They developed their skills. They grew in their understanding of the game and the rules and their ability to kick a ball and actually go where they want it to go. And thirdly, they grew as a team. At first, it was like we couldn't even get all their hands in one circle, right? We didn't know each other's names and all this. But by the end, man, we were one, two, three, Bobcats! This 14-day challenge is not about giving you more busy work for Jesus. This is about us growing as worshipers. And so my hope and my prayer in this is that we discover a passion for worship. Some of us need to rediscover a passion for worship because we've kind of neglected it, marginalized it. I pray that we develop that passion to worship. I pray also that we develop a theology and understanding of why we worship, that we learn more about what worship is all about. And that we practice it and learn it and live it and do it. And it becomes a natural part of what we do. But lastly, that we grow cohesive with our church. This is our team. Even if we're scattered, this is our team. And when we sing, it brings us together, it unites us together. There's something beautiful about that. There's something unifying about worship when you're singing in unison in that way. And so maybe you're gonna start a Sunday watch party and have some friends or or people over to watch service. Maybe you're going to join us at the end of the month for the encounter night and we'll worship together in our sanctuary as the church. But worship has this, this, this dynamic to it and it connects the church in the process. Three, two, one, boom. That's my hope. That's my prayer for us. That as we pursue Jesus together, and we grow to be more like Jesus. Would you join us in this pursuit? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you would continue to help us to understand what it means to be a worshiper of you. I pray for boldness and courage to begin to worship you if we've been holding back if we've been silent, we've been passive, we've been sitting on the sidelines, we've been insecure, God, I pray that you would break through and give us freedom and help us to explore and understand what it means to be a worshiper of you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I pray that we are a church that honors and worships you with everything that we are all the time. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, church, we love you very much. Uh, Stick around, Bobby's gonna give us some more details on the 14-day pursuit, and we will see you next week. For more information, check out thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.